All right, and welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith, here alone for a solo interview episode. John and Chuck will be back sometime soon. I had a big week. Little baby girl was born two weeks early on Thursday. I had a podcast interview scheduled, uh, but, you know, the wife went into labor and it was go time. Uh, Good thing for her because she was really ready to get that baby out. That was exciting. Uh, We went to the hospital. We were there for a long time, Uh, but everything went well. Uh, Baby is fine. Mother is fine. I'm sure I will talk about more about the experience with John and Chuck and maybe with some guests, but just a heads up why we missed an episode and why our release dates are a little off. But anyway, let's get to today's guest. Before we do that, we have a couple of spots, maybe two spots left in our International Stackhouse of Pancakes Fantasy Basketball League. This is a negative fantasy basketball league. You get points for missing shots, turning the ball over, Getting ejected is a jackpot. So it'll be really fun. It'll be a good chance to play some of the guys who might not normally get drafted. Looking at you, Justice Winslow. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, make sure you go to patreon.com slash breakfast to sign up. We also will have a regular head-to-head fantasy league. I think due to interest, we probably will have two co-leagues So there are some spots left in those. And then hopefully we keep getting more signups. And then we might have a a lower league where you have to gain promotion. And then those who do poorly in the upper leagues will get relegated. Sounds like a lot of fun. Something we're looking forward to if we get enough signups. Again, that's going for $4 a month at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. And also at that level, you get added to the Slack chat where we talk about basketball and whatever else around the clock. And you can join the pigskin pick them and the march madness challenge all year-long contest where we send out prizes to the winner so if you want to support our show and get in touch with other fast break breakfast listeners and have fun playing fantasy and stuff like that you can do all of that at patreon.com slash fast break breakfast My guest today is a contributor for The Athletic Detroit and the site expert for PistonsPower.com and a return guest, Mr. Duncan Smith. Duncan, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Uh, Fantastic. I want to say the last time you were on, I forgot and didn't ask you about breakfast and it caused a bit of an ordeal. So I'm going to go and get that out of the way. Duncan, did you have breakfast today? Um, I had some leftover pizza today. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't amazing. It was fine. Leftover pizza is a fantastic breakfast. Breakfast of champions, I'll call it. If you're getting a more traditional breakfast, though, do you have a go-to, uh, say, traditional eggs and waffles type thing that you go for? I do have a go-to. I pretty much without fail. Um, if you know, if I'm out. Uh, for brunch or, or whatever, I pretty much always will get Eggs Benedict. It doesn't matter what else is on the menu. Um, I have to at least try uh, try that place's Eggs Benedict before I'll try anything else. I hear you. That's old Eggs Benny, as we call it on our show. Uh, also a code word for LeBron James. 
for his traitorous Benedict Arnold ways. Um, so we have a. Oh no! <laughs> no, it's fine. It's a it's a yeah. long running joke for. Uh, That's pretty co- funny, actually. <laughs> co- co-host Chuck, who is a a born and bred Miami Heat fan, uh, yeah, eggs Benny because he refused to say LeBron James' name for a while. Now that maybe free agent LeBron is back in play next year, he, he's uh, he's wavering on his stance. <laughs> well, uh, we have you here, Duncan, because you are a, a, a Pistons fan, someone who covers the Pistons. Last time you were on, uh, about a year ago, I was telling you that I kind of like the Pistons. They were my first favorite team. I got in on the bad boys a little early when I was a kid and was just totally won over. I, I drifted away in my NBA fan agnosticism as I drifted when they stopped getting good and stopped being on television in the 90s. But anyway, so I say that just so any Pistons listeners know that despite the fact I'm pretty down on this team as we speak right now in September, I have nothing against the Pistons. Like, I used to love them. They're fine. I want them to be good. So with that out of the way, uh, last year the Pistons expected to make the playoffs, struggled a lineup that was really good, or at least, you know, decent the year before in 2015-16, really struggled last year. That's just the starting lineup had a really bad year. So so what happened last year with the Pistons? Um, you know, it it probably sounds like a cop-out now um, with, uh, with how many kind of uh, explanations and stories about this team go back to Reggie Jackson's knee injury. Um, but really... A lot of a lot of what uh, the struggles kind of stem from uh, it goes back to to Reggie's knee tendonitis uh, the the year two years ago where he was uh, you know basically like a fringe all star he was kind of on the outside looking in um, but you know he was probably the next guard up to uh, to make the Eastern Conference All Star team yeah we like uh, to call that a a fringe Eastern Conference All Star there should be large differences anyway keep, well, go- keep going <laughs> certainly i mean you you can only work with what you've got in front of you right <laughs> yeah yeah i, I know um, like damian lillard and mike Conley are fringe all-stars a lot and it's like eh. but anyway reggie jackson yes eastern conference fringe all-star yeah uh essentially the uh the best player on that playoff team two years ago yeah um when you added knee tendonitis to the equation with him uh he became uh essentially like probably the worst rotational player in the NBA. Um, you know, his, his offensive rating and his defensive rating were like bottom five, uh, both, uh, um, among all guys, uh, with the usage rate over 25%, I believe it was, uh, 26%. Um, he was bottom three in effective field goal percentage and true shooting percentage. Uh, and this is all while being like, just probably the, the league's worst defender. Um, like if you watched him like try to run around screens, he was ragdolled, uh, like repeatedly constantly. And he just wasn't able to keep up with, with anybody defensively. Um, so like on offense and on defense, uh, you, you just have like this massive, uh, black hole, um, that was really hard to overcome. Uh, a lot of what the Pistons like to run, uh, is sort of predicated on Reggie's explosion is his athleticism out of the pick and roll. Um, and you know, it's, it's really easy to sort of, uh, hinder that attack when you don't have to worry about, uh, Reggie being able to blow by guys, uh, defensively. Um, so it was much more difficult for the Pistons to, uh, to get off, uh, you know, spot up jump shots out of the pick and roll. Um, they were extremely ineffective when they did get those shots up. They were among the, I think they were, uh, again, bottom three, uh, when it came to, uh, both, guarded and unguarded spot up jump shots. 
Um, you know, everything kind of fed off of Reggie's ineffectiveness and it kind of, uh, it snowballed and, and basically like every player on this team with the exception of like, uh, Tobias Harris and Ish Smith, um, pretty much everybody on this team pretty, uh, fairly violently regressed last season. So, and, Reg- oh, sorry to cut you off. I was going to say, so Reggie Jackson was kind of like the anti Steph Curry where Steph Curry like r- raises everyone causes gravity. Unfortunately, Reggie Jackson caused or at least get some credit for regression of all the, the Pistons guys. Basically. Yeah. Um, no, it, I think that for most teams it's probably hard to overcome when your best player turns into one of the, one of like the, uh, yeah. <laughs> the worst players in the NBA. It's just, you know, not done, um, very often. So, um, it, I think that it kind of, uh, explains some of the rotational issues they had as the season went on because they were really not prepared for, uh, sort of the, the depth, of just how bad he was going to be. Yeah, I know you uh, do a good job on Twitter of putting out a lot of stats and mining the the uh, synergy and breaking down the analytics, how it benefits or what it illuminates about the Pistons. One of the uh, one of the best stats that I saw you put out, or I guess it's kind of disturbing if you're a, a Pistons fan. You you were, you pointed out that the the expected points of Reggie Jackson in transition was lower than Andre Drummond shooting two free throws. Like Andre Drummond shooting 38% gave you more points than, uh, than Reggie Jackson in transition. Yeah, it was really kind of incredible. Um, I, was, I was looking at his, at his transition numbers and uh, you know anything in that uh, 0. 0.76, 0. 0.77 points per possession range is, uh, is really close to both Drummond's uh, post-production and his free throw production. Um, so the first thing that I wanted to compare those numbers to was uh, was his post ups, and sure enough, Reggie Jackson in in transition is more effective than Andre Drummond from the post, um, very marginally, uh, very very marginally. Um, so I, I, I compared it to like the uh, the next number up, and that was his free throw percentage, and uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, Not- Reggie's Reggie Reggie's point uh, seven six nine points per uh, possession in transition is worse than the 0.772 points per possession you get out of uh, out of an Andre Drummond trip to the free throw line. Yeah, that's a uh, not not great, Bob. So the the other guy last year who I think coming into the season you expect to be the other all-star type guy is Andre Drummond, a guy who a couple years ago looked like he was going to be a force uh to kind of to take over the league and now I'm seeing things like uh, this is a make or break season for Andre Drummond. I think like uh, Matt Moore from CBS said something like that on Twitter. Um, so what can Andre Drummond do to kind of get back to the point where Pistons fans are excited about him and he looks like a guy who can be a dominant force? Um, I think on offense, we need to see a little bit less of him. Um, more than a quarter of, pos- of his possessions last year were post-ups. And, you know, as we just mentioned, like his post-ups are are quite bad um he's he's one of the worst centers in the nba when it comes to uh to posting up and a lot of that comes from his uh his like seven to ten foot range uh like turnaround hooks that he likes to put up um they're hopeless shots essentially um i it's difficult to sort of like track and evaluate uh like those post-ups versus um his post-ups on the whole unfortunately um but, you know, anecdotally and the fact that, like, he's he's very, very inefficient outside of uh, the three foot range, uh, we can we can really assume that, like, if we just like scrapped all of those longer range post plays, 
um, he would actually like dramatically increase. I did do a breakdown, just sort of like removing all of the uh, all of those shots from like beyond the three to five foot range. So everything from like five feet in is, is fine. We'll keep those and then we'll just disregard everything outside of it. Um, and even without any real bonuses from the free throw line, because we're not going to get those from Drummond, um, he still jumped into like the uh, like the 60th percentile almost uh, from the post, which is, you know, it's not going to, um, it's not going to be a real game changer. But like if you can just remove the, uh, the extremely inefficient plays and re- replace them with like, you know, average-ish, uh, average-ish expectation plays, uh, suddenly your offense does get a boost simply because you don't have that huge drag on them. Um, so we need to see that. We need to see like the the low percentage, long-range post-ups uh, become a thing of the past. And we need to see him uh, rim run more. And we need to see him um, basically, I, I think, kind of like follow the mold of DeAndre Jordan. Um, he doesn't post up much. Uh, he doesn't need to function with the ball in his hands a lot. Uh, he's slamming home lobs and he's... Uh, he's capitalizing on putbacks and he's, he's the big in the pick and roll. And like, that's what he does. Uh, a lot of rim running, a lot of cleaning up the glass. And, um, you know, if Drummond could kind of, uh, could kind of mirror himself after that, um, in- including Jordan's defensive abilities, which are, uh, superior to Drummond's certainly, um, if we could see, Andre Drummond's mirroring himself after DeAndre Jordan. Uh, I think that Piston fans would be beyond thrilled. Yeah, Drummond's one of those guys because he's so big and athletic. People, a lot of people, don't notice that he's actually secretly bad at defense. Like he he, he isn't doing a, a whole lot of great stuff there outside uh, outside of clearing the, the glass, which he, which he's really good at. Um, cl- closing the book on last season, one thing I noticed that just jumped out to me randomly looking at their basketball reference page: the Pistons were three and fourteen in back-to-backs last year, which really stuck out because if they had just at least one day rest, they were an over 500 team. Uh, so do you, is there any reason you can think of why they were so bad last year? Uh, judge, judgmental sports reporter, me, I could maybe make up some fake story about like they're an immature team that likes to party or something and can't get back going on the next day. But uh, is there any reason that you can think of why they were so bad in back-to-backs last year? Um, yeah, actually, this is something that I did some pretty... Uh pretty extensive work on and, and um, another one of my writers on uh, Piston Powered, Shamik Mohil, uh, did a piece focusing on Andre Drummond in particular. And um, I'll, I'll talk about Shamik's piece really quick first. He he uh, he is um, kind of like our, our medical expert for the site. And he did a, a breakdown of how um, Andre Drummond's deviated septum could affect him on uh, like back-to-back nights in particular, and especially back-to-back nights after flying. Um, like the uh, the elevation and uh, you know all all the <laughs> all the different kind of like traumas that flying causes on the body, um, minor though they may be, uh, are really kind of exacerbated when you have a devi- deviated septum. Um, and uh, if you look at Drummond's production. Uh, on the uh, second night of a back-to-back versus his season average, uh, there's a, a stark difference between his uh, his production on like an average night and those back-to-backs. Um, much worse than like previous seasons, uh, but that also kind of it it correlates with what Drummond was saying about this being by far the worst season he's had like from a breathing perspective. 
uh, his allergies were acting up. And like these kind of sound like cop outs, but when everything lines up and everything kind of like fits together um, to really like paint a picture that like fits this narrative that we're looking at, um, I think that's a big difference. Um, and Reggie Jackson, uh, if you look at Reggie's numbers and back to backs, um, he was especially bad. If you look at his numbers on games that were not back to back, he was uh, acceptable. You know, he certainly wasn't uh, the Reggie of old that we remember from two years ago. Uh, but he was also not like a, a bottom 20 NBA player um, when he was uh, away from those back to backs. So, you know, this is this is the team that like at times got like less than nothing from its best players. And um, on the whole, I think that that is influenced by the fact that like in these back to back games in particular, uh, which really haunted them down the stretch. Like there was a game against Brooklyn uh, that they lost uh, in ugly fashion on the uh, second end of a back-to-back. And it was predictable because it was a road game against Brooklyn and they were bad on the road and they were really bad on the road on the second end of a back-to-back. And like all these all these pieces kind of fit to uh, to tell a story that uh, Reggie just couldn't go in back-to-backs and Andre just couldn't go in back-to-backs. And I think we're going to see an improvement from Drummond after his... Uh, the surgery to repair his GV and septum. And uh, I don't think that this is probably going to be adhered to, but I have um, strongly suggested that uh, Reggie Jackson gets just the night off and every single back-to-back. Just don't play him. Wild. Um, Yeah, the Pistons need to, like, uh, really kind of ratchet down his minutes anyway. I think that he should play fewer than 70 games, even if he's healthy, Um, if they want to have anything left in the tank by the time the playoffs roll around. And um, since Reggie's not a guy that can give you like heavy minutes regardless, um, I think the best way to do it is to just like give him those 14 games off and hope that he can go full strength in the rest of the season. All right. So if Drummond is a little healthier with the surgery on the deviated septum and the NBA schedule makers have stretched the season out, so maybe that won't be as big of a problem this season. Um, how does this team get better going into this season besides that? The, the big moves they made their big offseason was trading Marcus Morris for Avery Bradley and then getting rid or letting, letting Contavious Caldwell Pope leave. So those roster additions, it doesn't seem like a big improvement of just, you know, Avery Bradley and then losing Marcus Morris and Contavious Caldwell Pope. So what are the, what are the hopes roster wise for this team improving this season? Um, well, I think that uh, they did actually make some quietly really good moves. Um, the, the move for Avery Bradley kind of sidestepped the whole uh, the whole situation that the Pistons, I think, were going to be looking at, uh, where the Nets were probably coming with a max deal of some sort, um, and that's that's kind of speculation. But the fact that they went out and they they ended up trading for Alan Crabb in the end anyway makes me think that they are probably going to just like drop massive cap space on uh, on KCP anyway. Um, so like they got to like just get themselves completely uh, extricated from that whole situation. They upgraded the position um, pretty significantly. I think that um, I think Avery Bradley is kind of what we hope that a fully realized KCP would be down the road. Uh, like Avery Bradley might be KCP's ceiling. Um, he's only two years older than KCP as well, which I think is something that is uh, is forgotten when people kind of like break this down. Um, they they were able to like kick the can down the road. They can assess next year if this is a team they want to go into the luxury tax over. Um, once, uh, you know, once we see if Reggie can come back healthy, if Andre's still got it, etc. Um, basically, with the exception of Eric Moreland, who they signed to be the the, uh, the third center, 
Uh, every addition they made to this roster would have been the best three-point shooter on the team last year. Um, like Avery Bradley and uh, Anthony Tolliver both shot about 39% from three. Uh, Langston Galloway shot about 39% from three. Uh, Luke Kennard might be the best shooter on this team. Um, well, you know, time will tell, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's uh, his translatables certainly indicate that he's going to be uh, an, an outstanding uh, shooter at the NBA level. Um, and that was a major problem for this team last year. They were the NBA's worst three-point shooting team. Uh, they were one of the worst shooting teams across the board. Um, and they've also positioned themselves, I think, where if Reggie does have a setback or uh, or he just can't go, um, they've got more guys who can handle the ball capably. Last year, they really just had Ish Smith. If if uh, pardon me, if Reggie was was out, they really just had Ish Smith. Um, this year, they've got Ish, they've got Langston Galloway, they've got Avery Bradley. Um, you know, they've also got Tobias Harris, who uh, who's a, a pretty underrated guy himself. He was the he had the best production uh, out of the pick and roll of any pick and roll ball handlers on this team last year. Um, and so they've got different weapons that they didn't have handy last year um, or that they didn't know about last year, um, like in the case of, of Tobias. Um, so I think that the steps that they made, um, you know, there were some some decisions they made over the course of the, uh, the offseason that I did not agree with and disagreed with rather strongly, like hard capping themselves uh, by noon on, on July 1st, I think was, uh, was sheer idiocy. Um, but things worked out and that was largely due to the fact that, um, that, uh, that Avery Bradley trade became available. With Marcus Morris moving on, it does seem like a benefit of that to me is getting Tobias Harris, maybe more shots, a higher usage, get him going more, just kind of committing him or in my mind, I feel like he should be committed to playing almost exclusively power forward. So what can Tobias Harris do this year to elevate his game? And, and who is going to, is he going to start at the four or is like John Luer going to start at the four? What, what do you see that front court rotation looking like? Um, well, I think that rotation might end up being um, kind, kind of dependent upon like who they're facing. Um, so like they've got the personnel to uh, to play big with Lure at the four and uh, and Harris at the three, or they can play smaller with uh, with Tobias at the four and Stanley Johnson at the three. Um, I you know they've got some mixing and matching pieces there um, that they can really work with. That you know they uh, they didn't do much of that last year, but I think that um, they they're going to kind of have to do that this year to some degree. Uh, as far as like what Tobias can bring, I think that um, he will have to be put back in the starting lineup, which is where he should have been uh, last year. Um, like John Luer was uh, unfortunately more than just a starter in name only when Luer was the starter. Tobias played four, few, four fewer minutes per game. And uh, I, I personally don't think that the best path to success is to um, have your, your best player, as Tobias was last season, uh, and best scorer. Uh, I don't think that it's a path to success to have his minutes dictated by John Moore, um, just at all, period. <laughs> uh, I think that um, the, the forward rotation, um, the, the one certainty should be that Tobias plays, uh, that he starts, and that he plays the most minutes of of all available forwards. Um, I think that um, he's going to be much more essential to this team, uh, because now they know that he's essential to the team, I think. And... Um, so I yeah I think we may see uh, we may even see like a, a rotating 
um, game to game starting lineup in uh, in that forward rotation. Um, but like either either way you cut it, they do bring different uh, bring different benefits to uh, to what the Pistons can do on the floor. I'm a I'm kind of pulling for a I don't know if he's going to start, but but I think the the lineup I'm most looking forward to on the Pistons is, is having maybe Anthony Tolliver and Tobias Harris out there with Drummond and Bradley. In Jackson, like I, I'm, I'm a pretty big Anthony Tolliver fan. I think he's pretty underrated. If if he can keep up what he's been in the last couple of years, would just just be decently efficient kind of stretch four, like stretch wing guy. I, I think I think I think that that'll be fun. Um, the wing position though is kind of thin, especially like if Tobias Harris isn't playing small forward. There aren't a lot of proven small forwards on the roster, and it looks like it's going to be crucial for Stanley Johnson to really step up and improve. He didn't have a great year last year. Is there a, if Stanley Johnson isn't really ready to contribute uh, as an NBA player this season, what's the contingency plan for the Pistons? Um, if, if he's not ready to contribute, that's going to be a problem. We're going to, into year three. Um, you know, I, I don't know if the Pistons have really looked that far ahead on him. I think that they're, I think that the trade uh, moving Marcus Morris out of town uh, kind of indicates that the plan is just Stanley gets it together. Like that's that's it. There's no A or B. I think it's just Stanley. Uh, Stanley puts this thing together, and uh, I am choosing to be optimistic. I know that um, last year was uh, was a pretty ugly season for Stanley, uh, especially coming off of a, uh, a pretty promising close to um, to a, that playoff season, his rookie year. Um, you know he. Uh, he took a, a significant step back pretty much across the board. And um, I know this season has been a, uh, an off season uh, primarily of like work and development. Whereas last year, I think um, he, he played a lot. Like he played like the OVO, he played the Drew league. Um, he played summer league. He, he was just kind of like always playing, uh, which, you know, it's, it's cool to like go beat up the kids and everything, uh, which is what he was doing. But uh, that, none of that is really translatable uh, to the NBA. So I think that Stanley has played less and like just worked more um, this this off season from from everything that I'm hearing. Uh, I know that he's he's cut down the body fat. Um, he's he's leaned out. Um, so hopefully that will will bode well for his explosion, his explosiveness, and his athleticism, um, which I think last year were uh, were kind of lacking at times, uh, which was puzzling and disappointing. Um, so I I think really. The, the plan is just like get Stanley going uh, because we don't want to think about the alternative. Yeah. I th- one of the reasons I'm not very high on the Pistons right now is I feel like there's so much riding on. We need Stanley Johnson to be a contributor and we need Reggie Jackson to get good again. And we need Andre Drummond to stop backsliding. It's like, like you need all three of those things in my mind to happen for, for, for this team. I mean, like maybe they'll still make the playoffs as like the eight seed in the East, but for them to be, I don't know, worth watching as a uh, kind of a, you know, NBA league pass junkie, just flipping the channels. Like we need all three of those things to happen. Um, looking at, looking at the young guys on the roster, uh, Luke Kennard and Henry Ellenson, what kind of role do you see those guys having this season? Um, well, I think that Kennard is going to be more of a contributor than Ellenson. Um, I think Ellenson is just, he's, there are minutes to minutes to go around in that starting in that pardon me in that forward rotation, but um, I I just don't know if Ellenson is quite there yet. You know he's still young. I think he's still twenty. Um, so like I don't think that like he's running out of time or anything uh, necessarily. But um, 
I also don't really think that he's he's quite close enough yet to uh, to be able to like really make an impact on the floor. Um, he's he's still not really big and strong enough or, or crafty enough, obviously, to be able to like hang with NBA big men at this point in time. Um, and he's still not like a, a standing shooter by any means. Um, so you know, I. I I wouldn't say that I don't have high hopes for Ellenson exactly, but um, I don't think that this is really going to be his breakout season or anything. Um, I think we might see some flashes. I think he'll play more uh, this year than he did last year, but I don't think that there's much reason to expect a whole lot from him this season. Um, as far as Kennard goes, um, you know, I, I think that a lot of what we saw out of him in college um might be somewhat translatable to the NBA. You know, he, I think he had an athletic edge at times in college, which will not translate to the NBA nearly as well. Uh, but he's also like really crafty and clever with the way he gets his shots up and the way he, um, you know, he finishes his drives. Um, so I think that that's something that might be, uh, be translatable. Um, like he's not going to, uh, he's not going to blow by guys. He's not going to elevate over anybody. But um, he's he's shifty. He's clever, and he's he's a gifted scorer. Uh, and I think that those are things that uh, this team uh, really could have benefited from last year. And I think that uh, as a result, I think that we're probably going to see him um, really kind of working his way into the rotation as the season goes on. To wrap up, I got uh, I got a few more questions uh, that we n- definitely need to cover, especially for uh, our listeners, our Patreon supporters. We have a continual debate. It's almost like a rite of initiation when anyone joins our, our Patreon to ask them what they feel about this. And uh, it gets heated. So I got to ask you as a Pistons fan, who would you rather have, Andre Drummond or Steven Adams? Um, I think I'd rather have Andre Drummond. And I think that's because I'd say we kind of know what Steven Adams is. Yeah. Um, and I think that we have an idea of what Andre Drummond is, but I think his ceiling, should he ever like come close to reaching it, um, is uh, far, far beyond anything Steven Adams will ever accomplish. Um, you know, like Andre Drummond at his quote unquote worst last year was uh, more or less uh, pretty close to what it was the year before where he had his breakout year. It just kind of looked worse because the team was bad. Um, and he was the best rebounder in the NBA. Uh, his offensive, defensive, and total rebounding percentage uh, led the NBA. And all three of them, I think, with the exception of offensive, actually. Uh, defensive and, and total, I think, were better than his rebounding percentage the year before. Um, and that was Andre Drummond in a down year. If yeah. he can like figure a few things out, I still think that he's got potential to be like a dynamic, exceptional uh, big man. You know, we'll see if he does figure it out, but I think that the uh, the ceiling considerations are such um, that I would still take Andre Drummond. That's a it's a fair and well reasoned answer uh, from another one of our Patreon supporters, uh, Monte World Peace, who is a Pistons fan. He asks, "Is this year likely to make me as sad as last year?" I don't think so. Um, the downside of that is, if it makes you sad, it's going to make you much sadder because this year should not be as sad as last year. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, I think I think this is going to be a, a better year, a more fun year. Um, I think that there are guys that are like actually worth watching this. Not that, you know, not that last year was like this 
entirely unwatchable gruel or anything, but um, I think... Well, I, I believe that's up for a debate, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, there when the bench was on the floor, sometimes it was fun. That's that's honestly all I can give <laughs> um, <laughs> to say that like last year was any fun at all. But um, you know, Avery Bradley is like exactly the kind of player that uh, the Pistons fans love. Um, I think Luke Kennard is going to be fun if Stanley Johnson can get things together. He is another one of those guys that Pistons fans are going to love. Um, you know, if if Reggie can get it together, that has the potential to be like a real redemption story. And who doesn't love a redemption story? Um, Andre Drummond, if he hits 40% from the free throw line and he's like not one of the worst rim protectors in the NBA, uh, we're, we're going to say, wow, he's, he's back. <laughs> um, so I think that there is, there's potential for this to be, um, an enjoyable season for, uh, for Pistons fans. I was about to say that was, that was so many ifs, Duncan. You said if so many times. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> we, we've got to project here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Hey, you also are the site manager for the fan-sided site about Star Trek. I don't remember. What, t- tell us what's that, what that's called. Uh, yeah, it's Red Shirts Always Die, uh, okay. which I think is an incredibly clever name, and uh, I, I wish I came up with it myself. <laughs> okay, so if you're a Star Trek fan, make sure you check that out. But I, I want to ask you, if the Pistons were a Starfleet crew, what would the roles be? You know, I've been thinking about this and trying to like come up with, uh, with a, a good answer. Um, I'm not sure about this particular Pistons team, yeah. But I, I kind of feel like if we look back at like the, the going to work Pistons, okay. Um, I kind of see a parallel between uh, Worf and Ben Wallace. Oh yeah, okay. And like Rashid and Commander Riker, maybe. <laughs> Oh, man, um, I think that's perfect. I, I, need to, I need to flesh that one out a little bit more. That literally just came to me. I, in 30 seconds, I might really hate that comp. But, I lo- no, uh, no. For, for, first Officer Rashid Wallace seems perfect. Yep. And, you know, maybe we've got a, uh, a Chauncey and uh, Picard comp. Chauncey does seem like a captain. I'm like, looking at these current Pistons. I, I had trouble picking, like, who I would make a captain. I feel like Stan Van, he's kind of late career James Doohan. I could see him in the in engineering. Maybe it's just the mustache, uh, like down down in there. Uh, Tobias Harris, maybe a science officer. I don't know why I feel that way, but 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 it, it seems like so, like something's there. Uh, w- the biggest problem I think I have with the Pistons roster, though, is speaking of red shirts. I feel like you guys have too many red shirts. Like J- like John Lure and Luke Kennard are yeah, like they're the most forgettable in my mind appearance. Like oh yeah, they're they're going to die. Like they're going to be on the away team. There's there's no way they're making it back. I almost feel like Ish Smith. I might make him my captain. I could see him. Yeah. You know, or maybe like a Cisco type. Uh, it's Benjamin Cisco, not the uh, performer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see Ish being sort of a captain. I think if they had anything close to a captain last year, it might have been um, Ish. At least you know in this vein. And uh, yeah, you're kind of right. I'd, I'd say that um, you know if John Lore wasn't seven feet tall. Like if you just saw him walking downtown, like Birmingham in uh, in Michigan here, you would probably not have any idea that he's an NBA player. Um, Luke Kennard as well, you know, like uh, he if he throws a hat on, like you know he's pretty much going to disappear into the crowd of like twenty year old uh, like college kids or whatever. Yeah, I feel like last year was a Star Trek movie where in the opening sequence the captain dies and then Ish just takes over. He's like, I got this. 
So uh, <laughs> yeah, basically what happened last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although uh, my, my one goal, again, I, I don't want to make Pistons fans angry. My one goal for this season is somehow ish gets traded because I'm just part of the ish place 30. I want ish to be on every team. And this three year contract with the Pistons has really slowed down that progress. Well, Duncan, hey, thanks so much for coming on again. Uh, tell people where they can uh, track all your stuff online. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Duncan Smith MBA. You can find my work on uh, Piston Powered pretty much every day. And I've got a new piece out on, uh, on the Athletic Detroit uh, just dropped today. I interviewed Tobias Harris uh, a few days ago uh, last week and uh, got, some, uh, got some pretty insightful stuff out of him. He's, uh, I think your, your uh, analogy of him being a science officer is, uh, is pretty spot on. He's a, he's a really sharp guy. And uh, so go check that out and uh, go, go learn about uh, the Pistons if you dare. Sounds great, Duncan. Uh, thanks for coming on and talk to you soon. Alrighty. All right. Thanks to Duncan for coming on. Check him out. Uh, Pistonspower.com. Also, Red Shirts Must Die if you're a Star Trek fan. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Fast Break Break. Like us on Facebook. Write those five-star iTunes reviews. Join our Patreon. Running out of spots for fantasy basketball and the iShop. Do that at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. All right, you guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember, breakfast is the most important thing. Yeah, never apologize for being G&G. Fast break break, man. You understand?